Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that I've grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. I'm promising you that you're going to learn a lot this week, and you're going to want to share this with all of your NBA friends. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. He spent 20 years working in the NBA, including five years with the Brooklyn Nets. He's going to join me for a deep dive into the NBA's new collective bargaining agreement, which went into effect on July 1st. The new agreement has several components, but the main takeaway is that it's going to be much more difficult to build a super team now. Uh, Bobby's also going to explain terms like second apron and trade exception. So again, a glossary of knowledge from Bobby Marks on our show this week. I'm joined by Brian Griggs, our producer. How are you? I love this. I mean, I'm an NBA geek. I love behind the scenes and all this new information I get to gather today from Bobby. So he is definitely, as you mentioned in his title, the insider. The guy knows his stuff. Great interview. Fun to uh, to just learn because there's a lot of new stuff with the new the new agreement. So I'm excited. Yeah. And fans think it's so easy to make a trade and it's so easy to build a team. And they're going to learn today. There is a lot of complexity that goes into this. But Griggs, I stepped into the the sports business radio lab and I did some deep, thorough research on the NBA. Listen to this. Since 1984, so that's 39 years ago, these are the only teams that have won multiple NBA titles. The Lakers, the Celtics, the Spurs, the Bulls, the Pistons, the Warriors, the Rockets, and the Heat. That's eight teams, Mm. won multiple titles in the last 39 years. There are teams that I would call outliers that have won NBA titles in between. You had the Dallas Mavericks with Dirk, the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron and Kyrie, the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi, the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis, and, and they may win another one, who knows, and the Denver Nuggets with Jokic and Murray. They're the reigning champions. The point I'm trying to make is that eight teams have dominated the last 39 years in the NBA. It is very hard to build a championship team. It's very hard to win multiple championships. And the key for today's show is that 
This new collective bargaining agreement is going to make it very expensive to build a super team. So if we applied this new collective bargaining agreement to the eight teams that I just mentioned, there's no way the Lakers would have had Magic, Kareem, or the Byron Scott. There's no way the Celtics would have had Bird, McHale, and Parrish. The Spurs, Duncan, Robinson, Ginobili, Parker. Uh, the Bulls, MJ, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. Um, the Bad Boy Pistons. We're watching the Warriors try and maintain their dynasty. They just re-signed Draymond Green to a new four-year, $100 million contract, but they're going to be paying luxury tax. The Miami Heat, you know, the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh team, that was only in effect for uh, a couple years. And, and yes, they won some championships, but they didn't win as many as people thought. It is very expensive to keep these super teams together. And this new agreement, Griggs, is going to make it even more difficult. Yeah, and I think that's what makes the landscape moving forward interesting because maybe you're going to have more of these teams you don't know as much or you know haven't heard as much get the opportunity to win a championship because it might be more, in quotes, fair as the league grows and you don't have the super teams. But, uh, you know, it's hard to win the NBA. We've said that many times. It's hard to win with just a team of guys. I mean, we saw the Heat try to do it basically with a bunch of bench players and, you know, people you've never heard of. They got close, but it's hard to win without the multiple stars. And as you said, the money and the luxury tax and the payments are going up big time every single year. So how many more luxury or how many more super teams are we going to see? Is it going to be more just kind of just these teams that are just made up of anybody? And can they can they win that way? It'll be fun to see. I think a lot of our listeners know that I used to work for the Portland Trailblazers. I've got deep NBA knowledge, but I don't have Bobby Mark's deep <laughs> NBA knowledge. That's why I wanted to bring him on. You know, we've brought Brian Windhorst on in the past, and he's explained the economics of the NBA, but that was a few years ago. So I think uh, our listeners are going to gain a thorough understanding of the new economics of the NBA. And Griggs, again, we're here in Portland. We're watching this Damian Lillard saga unfold in real time. Dame has been on this show. I'm a big Dame guy. I'm team Dame in this. I used to work for the Blazers, but I'm I'm actually siding with Dame on this. I think he's given his all to the Trailblazers organization. But again, for purposes of this conversation, everyone thinks, oh, we can just trade Dame to Miami or we can just make a Dame deal. First of all, whenever you trade a superstar, you rarely get a dollar for dollar return, right? You, it just rarely works out where you're getting equal value on the superstar that you're sending out. Then the other thing is with all the complexities of this new collective bargaining agreement, it is not easy to take in a player who makes as much money as Dame does. He's making $63 million for the last year, one year of his deal. So he's making a ton of money. You've got to have the cap space to absorb that contract. And then if you're the Blazers, you want assets, you want draft picks, you want current players, you want future trade swaps, you want all of these things and to find the teams out there that can provide you with those. And it doesn't look like Miami is that team unless they involve a third or a fourth team. It's not as easy as you would think. Like everyone gets onto the ESPN trade machine and generates trains. Griggs, it's not that easy. It is very hard when you're trading a superstar player. 
And there's two sides here. There's Dame's side. He wants to get to a championship contender. It looks like Miami. And there's the Blazers. They're not going to give away their key asset for nothing. And they know this is their one opportunity to build for the next five, ten years in gaining these assets that they would get from a Damian Lillard trade. Yeah, and it's like you, you mentioned it's so complex. And with these mega players... It involves two, three teams. You're talking about future. I mean, future, future, six, seven, you know, draft picks down the road. And, uh, you know, it's not like you go buy, you sell a car and you get, you know, here's your check. Here's your money. It's over. Done right. deal. Not like that in the NBA. I mean, you're, you're paying out. Blazers are going to have to pay. You got these huge contracts. I think you tweeted out Dame in his Blazer career is going to make like 450 million when this whole contract's done. It's incredible. And these, somebody's got to pay it. So it's, it's going somewhere. That money is going somewhere. That trail is going to follow Dame or whoever the big star is that's traded. So, man, it, it's uh, thank you, Bobby, for coming on because it's so deep. <laughs> well, and another thing we're going to discuss, and we'll give uh, Adrian Wojnarowski credit for this term. He has said, and I agree with him, the NBA has entered the transfer portal era. So you've got players like Damian Lillard who are signing their max extension. And then if they don't want to stay with the same team, they'll worry about that later. They're going to get their money and then they're going to, you know, say to the team, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. It's interesting. As we record this, Jalen Brown has not signed his extension with the Celtics. Are they having second thoughts? Are they afraid that he's going to be one of those players that signs for $295 million and then comes to them a year from now and says, you know what? I don't like it here anymore. I want to be traded. Players are getting their money, which is smart. And then if the team doesn't build the right way or surround them with the pieces they feel like they need to win a championship, they're going to ask out. And we're seeing that more and more. So the transfer portal is open in the NBA, it seems, um, just like it is in college sports. Griggs, I want to go through a few free agent signings. Um, you know, there's no LeBron or Kevin Durant or... Uh, you know, huge name on the market this year, but there's some big contracts being handed out. And since June 30th at 6 p.m. Eastern, and we're recording this on July 3rd, so what, a couple days? $2 billion wow. in free agency money has been spent. The average contract, so this includes like the 12th man on the roster, the average contract, 12 million dollars i mean it's unbelievable but here are some of the big signings jeremy grant goes back to the blazers five years 160 million dollars he's getting his money i would almost guarantee you if damian lillard is traded jeremy grant is going to come forward in the not too distant future and say you know what i thought i was signing this and dame was going to be here i won out but guess what he got his 160 million dollars so he's going to enter the transfer portal, <laughs> most likely. Fred Van Vliet, three years, $130 million from the Houston Rockets. So that's an average salary of $42 million. I love Van Vliet. Maybe he's going to be like Jalen Brunson's impact with the Knicks. But $42 million for Fred Van Vliet, this is an example of the Houston Rockets had $50 million in free agency money to spend. They got to spend it somewhere. They have to get to the floor because, as Bobby will explain, there's not only a salary cap, there's a salary floor. If you don't spend a minimum amount of money, there are penalties 
assessed for not spending the minimum amount of money. So Houston went shopping and bought themselves a Fred Van Vliet, a Dylan Brooks. You know, they they went out and, and went crazy. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks re-signed Kyrie Irving. There were all these talks about Kyrie's going to go meet with this team and he's going to go to this team and all these rumors and he's showing up courtside for the Laker game during the playoffs. Guess what? Kyrie took the money. Three years, $126 million to return to the Dallas Mavericks. Draymond Green, as we mentioned, a key piece with the Warriors. Four years, $100 million. Chris Middleton, a key piece with the Bucks. Three years, $102 million. Brooke Lopez, a key piece with the Bucks. Two years, $48 million. So lots of signings. Um, it's funny money out there. I think it's really interesting. This has nothing to do with anything, but you know, ESPN had layoffs the same day the funny money was being handed out by the NBA. So it was kind of ironic. You see the funny money coming out to the NBA free agents and you see people uh, who lost their jobs at, at ESPN, which is always unfortunate when that happens. But Griggs, I think our listeners are going to learn a lot this week. I know I did. Bobby Marks is next level. And by the way, I get asked this question a lot. Most every NBA team, if not every NBA team, essentially has a Bobby Marks on staff now, a cap expert. And as Bobby will mention, you know, he's reading through the hundreds of pages of the new collective bargaining agreement. The person who is working for the NBA team that has the capologist job, they're reading through this. They got this on July 1st. Here's the official agreement. Enjoy reading hundreds <laughs> of pages of how it all works. And oh, by the way, free agency starts on June 30th at 6 p.m. So this was happening and being digested in real time. It is very complex. And, you know, if your capologist gives you the wrong information or screws up, it can really screw up your whole uh, plan of attack for what you're going to be doing with your roster and where you're going to slot guys in. And, and you know, these owners don't want to be paying luxury tax. They don't want to be paying second apron. They don't want to not be able to trade picks for seven years. There's all of these things that will hamstring you if you get this wrong. Or if you're like the Suns owner, Matt Ishbia, you just say, screw the new CBA. I'm spending <laughs> all of the money. I'll pay all of the aprons of tax, and I'll go out and get three superstars and the Suns did do a very nice job since free agency started in signing a bunch of minimum level players to surround Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. But my gosh, there's no depth. If one of their big three goes down with injury, you're in a world of hurt. And that's one way to build a team, but it is a very risky way. A lot of things have to fall into place and go right for you when you're building a team the way the Phoenix Suns are building their team. Well, and like you mentioned, the capologists for each of these teams. Talk about an important job that probably didn't even exist three, four, five years ago. And now that is becoming the one player in your team that you really need to trust and they need another stuff. And uh, yeah, what a busy week getting that, that big stack of paper. Here, read through it and understand it and then tell the whole team how to deal with it. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I mean, if you're the GM or the president of basketball ops, you're on with your capologist basically every time you're calling another team or they're calling you. Can we do this? Yep. What does it look like? 
what happens if we involve a third or a fourth team? How does this impact us? There are so many complexities to this. And, you know, it used to be Danny Ainge just called Pat Riley and, and they made a deal. I'll right. trade you these <laughs> two guys for those two guys. And now, I mean, you have to be a rocket scientist yeah. to execute a trade in the NBA. And again, this is all happening in real time. So this is year one. We're days into this new collective bargaining agreement. And I think fans forget about that too, right? The people running these teams are human. Yeah. Yes, it is their job to understand this, but they're getting the information in real time and they're trying to make deals while also, uh, you know, there's no cliff notes for yeah. the new collective <laughs> agreement. You can't just go, okay. Like, we're going to try and give you the Cliff Notes version today on this show that I think you and all your friends can digest. But, you know, the people who are doing this for an actual living, the capologists, they've got to read every single page and every single clause. And, oh, by the way, guess who else has to read this, Griggs? The agents. Yeah. And the agents also have capologists on their team because they're like, hey, pay my guy the max. But, oh, hey, capologist in our agent office like is this okay do we have any more flexibility do we need to defer money like draymond green is deferring some money um so he's not taking as much in year one to leave the warriors with more flexibility to sign players so they can try and uh maximize this championship window that they're in with steph curry so there's so many complexities to all of this we're going to get to that now with Bobby Marks, but uh, Griggs, I think everyone's going to enjoy this conversation. Yeah, I am uh, geeking out. I love this kind of stuff uh, behind the scenes in this crazy world of the NBA. So uh, yeah, bring on Bobby. Let's learn something. All right. Without further ado, Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. There's nothing common about you. Not your talent, your drive, your achievements, or even your challenges. You need distinctive financial strategies that match your lifestyle and career trajectory. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment was created to address your specific needs at every stage of your career and deliver the financial education and strategies you need to help advance your game plan. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. That's morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. He spent 20 years working in the NBA, including five with the Brooklyn Nets. You can follow him on Twitter at bobbymarks 42 Enjoy his terrific work on ESPN.com or watch him on ESPN. Bobby, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Glad I know to- it's, yeah, I know it's your busy time. <laughs> so thank you so much for doing this. No, you're welcome. It's, uh, if we were doing this on uh, Saturday afternoon around 1230, I would have said we have to probably move it to another date when Damian Lillard has to be traded. Um, but, um, we're kind of an, it's funny how free agency works. We're, we get in this little lull right now. Um, we get a lot of action on June 30th, you know, when certainly when uh, the moratorium, uh, the 6 p.m., you know, teams can start negotiating. And then there's always someone who has to be traded. Last year was Durant. This year it's Lillard. And now we're just kind of like, there's like a storm at sea. I don't know when it's going to hit. 
but it's gonna you know it could be next week or the week after but i'm happy to uh happy to jump on with you all right so all 30 teams received the collective bargaining agreement it went into effect on july 1st i really wanted to have you on today you're an expert in all of this and thought we could do a deep dive into the yep. new collective bargaining agreement. All right. So tell me if these numbers are right. I, I saw these that Woj reported these actually. So um, the salary cap for next season, 136 million, tax level 165.2 million, yep. first apron 172.3 million, second apron 182.7 million, and then the non-taxpayer mid-level exception is 12.4 million. Do those numbers sound right? That is that is correct. And then you have, we also have, so the exceptions are interesting. I always, people always get a little bit confused about them. I always say, so for teams that are under the salary cap, okay, you have a $7.7 million room exception, we call it. So once you use caps, like so teams like Houston, for example, had all this room. Once you use Sign Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, they're allowed to go out and sign a player to a three-year contract starting at 7.7. That has changed in this new CBA. The prior rule was only two years and it was a smaller amount. So they're rewarding teams who have this flexibility with a one more year and a bigger number. Teams that are kind of in that in-between, not in the uh, luxury tax or not under the salary cap, you have two exceptions. I call them like the brother and sister, right? You have like okay. non-tax mid-level, which is $12.4 million. Um, Dennis Schroeder signed with that in Toronto, for example. And then you have the $4.5 million biannual exception. Uh, Torian Prince sign, is going to sign with that with the Lakers. Biannual, you can't use. If you use it this year, the Lakers won't be able to have it next year. So that goes away. That's kind of the rule there. And then you have what we call is the tax mid-level. That's $5 million. That has actually been reduced significantly from where it was a year ago. Dante DiVincenzo signed with it. Bruce Brown signed with it. And it's it's now only two years, used to be three, and now it's at $5 million. And um, so, yeah, those are the, the variable extensions as far as um, how teams can operate. Teams in the second apron now are not allowed to have that $5 million exception. Um, also, if you are one of those in-between teams and you use more than $5 million of that ex- of your non-tax mid-level, you now become hard capped at the first apron. So Cleveland, for example, um, well, they actually did a sign and trade also, but they went out and used more than that on George Niang. They are now hard cap, but they're, they've got enough, enough flexibility in there. But yeah, the exceptions, um, the exceptions got a nice little boost for those teams kind of in, be- in, in that in-between, in the, and um, the in-between teams and then the tech cap space teams, as far as it gave them more, um, more flexibility and, and more money to go out and spend. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like with this new CBA, one of the main objectives is to prevent teams from building these super teams, right? So um, the Clippers, the Warriors, the teams with the big payrolls of the past that have multiple stars, there's a real penalty for going into this second apron, right? Yeah. So it's it's um, it's kind of like in two phases. Um, what the league did was they, they basically said, you know, with the CBA starting on... Um, on July 1st. And, and ironically, like teams did not get the CBA, the full thing until like June 30th. Right. right. Like, yeah. Even like, even like I have like, I'll show you, I have like, I have like all these like printouts of sections. That's going to be my like summer reading, you know? <laughs> and like, 
for example, like this, there's a new rule of the second round exception and the, you can teams can sign in second round picks. And like I just was reading, oh, it doesn't apply to team salary until July 31st. So all these different um, all these different rules here and everything. But yeah, I mean, the head of second um, apron really works is that team. Uh, the NBA is allowing you to get your finances in order for a year. OK, from now until next offseason, right when the regular season ends the, for teams over the second apron. You can't use your $5 million non-taxman level exception. You, the aggregate as far as how you acquire a player in a trade is reduced from 125% to 110%. Um, you can't sign a player during the regular season um, who is bought out of his contract who earned more than the non-tax. So, for example, last year, um, uh, the Nuggets would not have been allowed to sign Reggie Jackson. Or if the Heat were a second apron, Kevin Love. Clippers, Russell Westbrook. So those are really some of the they're basically kind of three rules for this year. And and some of those also applies to these um first apron teams also, except for they can go out and sign that five million dollar um tax next year, which is the first day after the regular season ends, it becomes re- ridiculously restrictive. Basically, the rules triple. You can't send out cash in a deal. So if you're if you're Golden State, the night of draft, you want to go out and buy two second round picks, not allowed anymore. Um, you're a second apron team. You want to um, go out and acquire Kevin Durant and trade four first round picks. Well, all of a sudden now you're you're the last pick, which would be the, the seventh year. So the league had a league operates in, in a seven year window and you can't trade picks in back to back years. So that pick in that last allowable year now becomes frozen. So you're not allowed to add that as a as the the fourth draft pick. The most punitive here is is and you really got to spend money to do this. If you're in the second apron, 3 out of 5 years start, you know, including next year 24 25, so like Phoenix for example, for 3 years in a row or 3 out of 5 years in 2032, that pick that is that's currently frozen now all of a sudden moves to the back of the first round. So if you if you have the third pick in a draft and you're one of these teams that have spent and you're in your three out of five years, now you got the 30th pick in a draft. So wow. it, yeah, and it, and there's other I mean, so um second apron team, um, you can't aggregate salary in a trade. So if you're Phoenix and you want us to trade DeAndre Ayton next year, you can't add salary to his sal to his current contract. You can take back money as far as from an aggregation standpoint. But yeah, I mean that's they've you know put rules in place some some people say oh it's a hard cap well to the phoenix suns it's not a hard cap man they just blew right through it because they went you know durant and then bradley beal and you saw them this offseason basically they signed five or six players all to the veteran minimum exception like that's the only thing they had where in the past they would have had that tax mid-level exception to go out and spend on a seven million dollar guy that long no no longer exists I look at Golden State and they just re-signed Draymond Green. They've got a decision coming up with Clay. I think next year, um, you know, they've been paying a lot of tax. It's resulted in championships, so you can't argue with the success. They've got this successful new arena where they're making lots of money. But other than that, is there an excuse for going into the second apron? No, not really. And what you're seeing is teams become. I mean, a lot smarter in how they're balanced. They're almost like we've got a, a 30 accountants now 
Yeah, and you look at you look at you. I mean, just like there's a little bit of a trend going right now. Like everyone is spending money, right? They're, like we've still spent two billion dollars in in a matter of three days here. Like it's not like all of a sudden teams are like you know rookie extensions. Guys are still getting two hundred million dollars, but when you look at it, teams are just going right up to that tax number, right? It's like almost doing a puzzle. Like I'm trying to fit. Um, you know what, Seth Curry is, and yeah, maybe he's a six million dollar player. Well, I only got four for him. And you're finding like that piece. And what teams are being smart about is that to have you better be smart if you're going to have a third player on one of these max contracts. Like it's fine with two guys, but to build your roster, it's going it it it's it's awfully challenging. Or you better have a lot of draft picks still. Um, you know, Denver is a good example. Like Denver's got Jokic, Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. Okay, their first apron team nearing that second apron. They went out and drafted well. They went out this past draft and and traded for picks. They got three draft picks, and they are building their back end of their roster with all these young players that are going to be on these kind of inexpensive contracts. Okay, so we just talked about kind of the ceiling, the second apron, the team spending lots of money. A lot of fans don't realize there's also a floor. There's yeah. a minimum amount that you have to spend like you said at the beginning of this conversation, Houston had $50 million to blow through. Yeah. You know, yeah. they signed Fred Van Vliet to what a lot of people thought was a huge contract. Three years, $130 million. Dylan Brooks. Um, explain to our audience the floor so that you still have to remain competitive and you can't just sit back and go, you know what? Send me money from revenue sharing and I'm going to, you know, not spend any money each year. Yeah, so in the prior CBA, um, the one that just expired, you had to spend ninety percent of the salary cap. Um, if you didn't, there really was the, the only penalty was is that the league would make you take that that amount, the difference, um, whether it be San Antonio this year, for example. They did not spend up to the floor, and they they were they were short fourteen million dollars. Well, the big winners is is the, the players on that roster. Each player got a share of that fourteen million, so you got. You know, you know, maybe a guy walked away with a million dollars. That was the only penalty. What the league put in with this new CBA is that ninety percent still applies, right? You still got to spend ninety percent of of your um of up to the cap. However, for this year, if you don't spend ninety percent by the first day of the regular season, two things are going to happen. You're not going to get fifty percent of the tax distribution at the end of the year. So this past year, teams that under the luxury tax got fifteen million dollars. All right, you're only going to get 7.5. Hmm. The second thing is, is that the league is going to take that the difference of where you're below the floor and basically apply to you to, to your team salary. So if let's say Houston didn't spend anything. They walked in there with 60 million, said we're not going to spend it all. Well, the, the the amount that they're below the floor, that 50 million, now gets applied to team salary. So now they only got you know $14 million in, in, in cap space. Now this here here's where it gets more punitive. Starting next year in 24-25, same rules apply. However, if you don't spend that amount by the first day of the regular season, you don't get any tax distribution. That goes away. So that's why I said, like, you know, people like Fred Van Vliet, 41 million. I said, well, if you're going to be 35, you might as well give him 41, right? <laughs> like, you might as well, like, if you're not going to spend on someone else at that five, Dylan Brooks, 20, high, probably a little bit higher numbers. But that's why they had to go out and and um, and do that. And I talked to a team about it and right around the draft. And he said, like, you know, what you, we determine is renting cap space. 
right? If we're not if we're not ready to go out and spend a lot of money on a, uh, in, in years on a one player, we're going to go out and get Joe Harris in Detroit and and kind of put him in there. Um, we're going to go out and and you know get Davis Bertans in Oklahoma City and not commit uh, uh, significantly long term. Bobby, explain to our audience how revenue sharing works. Um, you know, again. You tweeted this out that the 2022-23 luxury tax received $15.1 million in distribution. Golden State and the Clippers contributed $300 million. How does it work with revenue distribution? Well, revenue distribution, you know, certainly you're going to get tax money back also. It's funny, you know, when the league sends out that memo, I always get a big chuckle because being in, in Brooklyn and having to pay luxury tax, people always say like, how do you pay it, right? And I say, well, they say they, you know, they say you got to pay by June twenty, July twenty fourth, and here's the here's our wiring instructions. Huh. Like you're wiring like whatever a lot of money, million dollars. Yeah, you're, this is in college. This you're not doing installments here. Like you're paying <laughs> all that at once, and so that's one way. And then the other way is that so whatever the pool of um, tax money that's there. 50% and then divided amongst the teams under goes to the ta- under the tax teams. And then the other 50% is funded from a revenue sharing standpoint, dependent on like certainly market size. So certainly teams like Indiana get a bigger share than maybe a team like Brooklyn uh, or New York or Golden State or the two Los Angeles teams here. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, that's a big reason why, you know, it's a fun. So if you're in Indiana, you're like, oh man, we want Golden State to spend, right? We want like that's more money coming towards us, right? Okay, the new media money is going to be coming in soon as well. I get this question all the time. Once this influx of cash comes into the league, how is that going to affect salaries and salary cap? It's not. I mean, what the league and the player association did was they negotiated the max the salary cap can increase is ten percent. So we're not going to see a the the cap will still go up nicely. I mean, we were at one thirty six um, right now. It could go up to one forty nine. It could be one sixty two. Like it's still going to take a nice little jump here. But we're not going to see in the, the, what we happened in two thousand sixteen when the cap spiked substantially, and that that group of free agents did very well. Unfortunately, what happened in two thousand seventeen that group of free agents did not do very well mm-hmm. because the market basically just, you know, instead of 28 teams with cap space forwarded because everyone spent, but no, you're, you're going to be able to, um, you know, you're basically capping it. Um, I, you know, certainly players, you know, receive 50, 51% of, you know, basketball related income. So there's going to be more money in their pocket, um, especially where um, if we do get a, a huge TV contract, which, you know, looks like, you know, where, how things are being negotiated in other leagues. I'm sure that's going to be the case here, but um, we will not see a TV spike and I mean, a cap spike in 25, 26. Explain to our audience basketball related income. People hear BRI all the time. Obviously, the media money is one of the pieces of income. What are some of the other pieces of income that go towards that 51%? It's everything. It's anything toward anything. I mean, it could be anything like summer league that's starting, right? Gate receipts in Vegas, gate receipts in Sacramento, um, anything affiliated with your arena, ticket sales, uh, concessions, um, merchandise, like everything outside of, you know, what you see, you know, certainly your player salaries. Um, 
but it's any type of revenue your um you know from your marketing standpoint sponsorships all that is kind of put into a, into that pool which is you know basketball related income you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back after this underdog fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports it's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry your fantasy leagues might be over but you can still play fantasy sports games on underdog fantasy i love playing pickem and rivals with pickem you can pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win 20 times your money in a single night. You pick between two and five players to build a pick em entry. Also, rivals pits two players against each other. That's a lot of fun, too. It could be two players on the same team. It could be two players from other teams, points, rebounds, fantasy points. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying that with NBA games, especially right now. Sign up today with promo code SBR and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with my promo code SBR, like Sports Business Radio, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 plus and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right, a few other things with this new CBA. Um, The award voting has changed. There's minimums for how many games you have to play. A lot of players' salaries are tied to awards considerations. Explain to our audience how that could affect things going forward. Yeah, 65-game criteria now as far as um, when it comes to All-NBA or All-Defensive Player of the Year. Um, there are uh, There's two ways to look at it. There are players who have signed um, rookie extensions this year, um, Tyrese Halliburton, for example. Um, he has language in his contract. If he earns all NBA, his contract starts at 30% of the salary cap instead of 25%. Um, that's a $45 million difference between earning all NBA and not. If Halliburton doesn't play 65 games and has only plays 50 games and is out for an injury, he's not allowed to be voted for um, all NBA. Um, there are players who have um, could be supermax eligible. Um, Pascal Siakam, for example, um, in uh, Toronto, if Siakam uh, does not play 65 games and all, earns All NBA this year, then he would not be supermax eligible um, uh, next year. It's you go back and look at history, um, how it affected players, and certainly um, you know John Morant this year, if he would have been you know, played those 65, but did not earn all NBA. But I think there's been one player it would have impacted. I think it would have been Joel Embiid um, the year that he was super max eligible. Um, he would have made it the following year because he played the game's criteria. Um, but it's going to be interesting because it's, you know, Victor Wembanyama, good example. There's nothing tied in unless it's from a marketing angle. You know, his contract standard, it's a standard rookie scale contract. Um, but, you know, I, I would think he wants to, try to win rookie of the year here. But what happens if San Antonio is like, you know what? We're going to manage your minutes. We're going to have you play 55 games. Well, he would not be eligible for, um, for um, 
for um you know rookie of the rookie of the year and that's a you know then there's the gambling angle right like i'm sure and when Benyana is whatever the number is here and you'll be like wait be be careful right be careful because right. of how because now you have to take into this whole you know games played criteria right another part of the new cba uh this in-season tournament we've yeah. never seen this before um players are going to receive bonuses if you you know win the tournament or I think finish in the top two. Um, explain to our audience how that's going to work. Yeah, I mean it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be you know probably some. It's almost like you know the, how the WNBA does it right now, where they call it the I think the Commissioner's Cup, mm-hmm. where certain games that are played goes towards this standing, and in the, in the you know the eight teams go out probably to Las Vegas or one of these sites here um, in in I guess late December here, and it's going to be like a mini tournament in season here, and you know. Teams don't like change. People don't like change. Um, I'm interested in it. I think it's neat. I, it doesn't. I always say to people like, well, you're going to play 82 games anyway, right? It's not like all of a sudden we said the NBA said, you know, what? you're going to play 110 games now. We're going to add an right. in-season tournament. Like you're going to do it anyway. Now we add in this in-season tournament. And then for those, you know, those other 22 teams, you know, or they'll still be playing. It's not like we shut down for, um, um, for uh, you know, a two week stretch, and there, the, the basketball related income, right? Everything coming, you know, maybe there's new, a, a TV component there. There's a merchandise. There's ticket sales. There's you know, an added. It's like kind of another layer of what the playoffs are in in mid uh, mid April. Just a couple minutes left before I know I need to let you go. Uh, another question I get all the time: People do not understand what a trade exception is. Can you please explain <laughs> yeah. to people what a trade exception is? Yeah, so I'll give you a good example. So Atlanta is going to trade John Collins to Utah, okay, for Rudy Gay, okay. Uh, how this works is that, and you're saying, wait a minute, John Collins makes 25 million and Rudy Gay makes 6.5. That doesn't match, right, within the percentage. Two things happen here. Atlanta had created a prior trade exception um, during the regular season. Rudy Gay's $6.5 million contract is going into that exception. Okay. John Collins is being traded to Utah, who has cap space. Okay. So his $25 million contract is going into that. Because Atlanta is still over the salary cap when that trade is made, they all of a sudden create a $25 million trade exception here. And you can use it. You can't use it to sign a player. You can use it to acquire another player. You can acquire, um, you can claim a player off waivers. Um, so we get to the trade deadline and uh, some teams looking to move a $10 million player. Atlanta can now acquire hit them and not have to give a player back in a deal. Go back for a minute. You said Atlanta generated the trade exception. It's not like they just wake up one day and go, you know, what? we're going to generate a trade exception. How do you generate a trade exception? Not taking salary back, or the di- or there's a there's a difference there. Um, Brooklyn, for example, is trading Joe Harris to Detroit. They're going to generate a 19 million dollar trade exception because nothing is coming back to them except for maybe a cash in a deal or or a draft pick. All right, there's a lot of whispers about expansion. Um, explain to our audience if there's expansion. Let's say the NBA adds two teams. Right, they're probably not going to just do one. They're probably going to do two. Uh, Seattle and Las Vegas are the most often mentioned markets. How does that impact this whole collective bargaining agreement? 
And then obviously there's expansion fees that get paid to all the other owners, the 30 existing owners. And it also dilutes this revenue sharing. So if you've got this huge media pie that you're taking in as the owners, now you've got to split it with two more owners. Yeah. I mean, and I think the fee, whatever the fee would be, would be, would be a little different than when Charlotte and Vancouver came in. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, expansion is interesting. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of different ways, certainly the, the financial component, because now we're adding two teams to the mix here. And that's why I think if we ever got to that point, I think the fee would be beyond, you know, I don't know, would it would be a, a 500 million, would be a billion to get in to join the club here. Um, you know, certainly from a basketball related income, there's more. Now you're sharing more from a luxury tax standpoint, you're sharing more. Um, from a from a roster standpoint, you you would go through an expansion draft where it would be interesting because you know now you're protecting players on your roster and now you can make you know you know you could protect I, I don't know number eight players and now you make four players available here and we haven't seen that happen we haven't seen an expansion um, in a long time and it also impacts geographically where teams are mm-hmm. like you might see Memphis and Minnesota all of a sudden move to the east. Just because if you're adding two in the West, somehow you're going to have to ship. Does it change how we think about doing the playoffs and stuff? Like, so there's a lot of a lot of different components um, to it. Um, I think you know the, the commissioner has said it, you know, before that. You know, let's get through this new TV deal and see where we are, and then go from there. But I think you know, Brooke uh, Brooke Lopez, who I had as a player in. Um, in New Jersey and Brooklyn, they uh, interviewed him on NBA Today, and they said, like, before he before free agency started, he said, "Where do you want to play, Brooke?" And he said, "Seattle." <laughs> I saw that, <laughs> and I think if you ask LeBron James in three years or four years, LeBron, what do you want to do? And I'm sure he would say, "I want to own a team in right. Las Vegas or somewhere else." And um, so I do think the league, I think the league is eventually we will be in a position to add two more teams. Um, they made it through COVID, you know, with everything. Um, I think business is really good right now. I know there's a lot of, you know, concern with, you know, with the cable stuff going on and, you know, with certain, you know, cities and everything like that. Um, but I do think a new TV deal will will boost, you know, the, the talk of, of expansion. Is there anything else with the new collective bargaining agreement that I didn't ask you that you think stands out that, people should be paying attention to. I just think they're, you know, it 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 protects the teams um as I said in the middle, the Clevelands of the world. Um you know, Cleveland went out and did a trade when they got Max Struess from the from Miami in a sign and trade and it, under the prior CBA they wouldn't have been able to do it because the traded player exception would have been smaller. Um Sacramento went out and ex- extended Demonis Sabonis over the week. They renegotiated his contract and then extended him they wouldn't have been able to give him that much money because the extension rules have changed. Um, I think we get caught up on the second apron, um, you know, and I think we get caught up on, you know, penalizing teams um, for spending or we think penalizing teams for drafting well and then not. You can you can retain your own players. Like, you can do that. You can draft well and you, re- you can retain well. And I say, like, I, the analogy I would say, like, before this new CBA was... Think of yourself going out to dinner and thinking, you know what? I want the steak, lobster, two appetizers, and, and, a, and a big ice cream sundae for dessert. Wow. Well, now the league is saying, you can have the steak, 
you can have the ice cream, but you're not going to get lobster and two appetizers, right? Like you can't get everything here. Um, and I just think it's going to make teams spend wisely. I think it's going to make teams think more, you know, um, think before going all in on, um, on a, an all deal on all trades. And I think we'll wait and see how it affects things. Like we'll see four years from now or three years from now, if what the, you know, the PA missed out on. And I think next year will be even more fascinating because we get to the draft, the combine, for example, in the past, you had players, and even this year, I think we had 21 players who like did not do medical testing. Or now, what the league is saying, like, you got to come to Chicago to be draft eligible. Hmm. Like, you know, Victor was different because he was still playing in front. Right. You can't, you can't hide and only share your medical information with one team. Right. Like, and so it it creates a fair balance there. Um, and that's that's you know rule for for a year from now, but. You know, I, there, every every year when we do a CBA, you know, or every seven years when we do CBA, there's always things that people don't like. But I always say, just like let's get let's get through the summer and see where we are, right? Like, you know, if if we if, if parity is great in this league. I mean, we saw this year where you know so many teams had a chance to to win it all, and I think you're going to see just more parity, um, you know, over the next few years. Okay, last question. Uh, Woj used a great term the other day that I was like, oh, my God, someone finally described it perfectly. He said we're in the transfer portal era in the NBA and what guys are doing like Damian Lillard. Again, I'm here in Portland. um, He's getting a big contract, right? Jalen Brown might sign the big contract and then ask questions later. They're getting their money. And then if they don't want to be there, they go, "Okay, I want to trade. Send me out. Is this going to continue with this new CBA? Because I'm watching the Damian Lillard stuff unfold. And by the way, you know, I'm team Dame on this one. I I really think he's a a great guy and he deserves to go play for a contender. And I do exactly what he's doing. Um, But fans think it's so easy to make a trade. It's not easy to find a team that has the assets to send back to you and has the ability to absorb his enormous salary where he's going to be making $63 million in the last year of his deal. Yeah, I mean that's a, I, and I think I actually stole what was just uh, transfer portal yesterday when I was doing a media. So I, I apologize. I don't want to get in trouble. Um, yeah, I mean, three ways to build rosters: the draft, trades, free agency, and I would probably rank those three in that order. Building roster through cap space, man. It's, I mean, Brooklyn did it, tried to do it with Durant and Irving, um, and it worked, and it didn't work. And I think we started to see a trend a couple of years ago, guys signing, getting my money, and then eventually asking out or eventually moving to a new team. And I think that's that's the kind of the world, that's the world we live in. And I think for Damian Lillard, if he was asked, you know, I, I have Portland, I'm going to give you 110 million new money next last offseason. I'm going to take it. I'm not going to wait until I become a free agent here. And yeah, it's it's very hard to make trades um, in this league when you are trying to move a franchise level player. Right. Rarely do you ever win the trade. Like it just doesn't happen here. And I think, you know, Portland is in an interesting spot because you are trying to do the best for Damian Lillard and you're trying to do the best for your organization. And unlike Bradley Beal, he doesn't have a no trade clause. However, if he wants to be in Miami, now you're saying, how do we get a third team involved? How do we get a fourth team involved? How does Tyler Hero turn into three more picks? Or do we want, you know, so it's not that clear as far as like, you know, I said, 
this morning. I said, if Damian Lillard, if, if Miami, if Portland wanted to trade uh, him to Miami, it would have happened Saturday night. Right. But there ha- it, 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 it will expand here. And um, I think that's why we are, you know, trades are more because guys do not want to get into free agency and have the market dry. If there's an extension right now for a player to extend, do it, take the guaranteed money. It's almost like we're going to go work for a job. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to go sell tickets somewhere, but I'm going to get in there, do my best, and then maybe there's another opportunity somewhere else. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. Follow him on Twitter at BobbyMarks42. Watch his terrific work on ESPN. Go to ESPN.com. I can't thank you enough for joining me. I've wanted to do this segment, and I've had you in mind for a long, long time, and you explained everything beautifully. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for sports business radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and from our friends at CG Sports, CG Young and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.